Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel, and ladies, I have a question for you. Are you tired of feeling like you're the one putting in all the effort to make your relationships work? Then go to speakingofpartnership.com right now and click on the big red Tell Me More button and find out how you can get men to do their part. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Gay Hendricks. Gay, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you, Ken. So for anyone who may not know of Gay's work, he is an author of transformational bestsellers such as The Big Leap and Conscious Loving, which he wrote with his wife of 36 years, Dr. Kathleen Hendricks. He's appeared on more than 500 shows, including Oprah, 48 Hours, and others. He's also an emeritus professor of counseling psychology at the University of Colorado, where he served for 21 years before founding his own institute. Gay, take a minute and fill in any blanks from the intro and and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would. Yes, Kathleen and I, uh, also known as Katie, she uh, and I live in Ojai, California, in Southern California, in a little mountain valley uh, where we've lived for the past uh, 15 years or so. And um, uh, we don't have kids around anymore. And uh, so we just live here with our two cats. Uh, We are both uh, avid bicycle riders we both love to ride our bicycles and uh, and we both uh, play golf and so we play golf a lot out here um, we've been uh, like you mentioned together uh, 36 years now we met in 1980 and from the very beginning we had in mind the idea of working together uh, so we've uh, worked together for the past 36 years and um, uh, published nine I, I think nine or ten books together so, um, and we've remodeled three houses, so our marriage has survived the remodeling of three different houses, so we're very proud of that. <laughs> and, uh, it's often a stressful time in many couples' lives. Um, and uh, over the past five years, uh, what many people don't know about me is uh, I started as a hobby writing mystery novels about five years ago, uh, a series, it's now grown into a series featuring a Tibetan Buddhist private detective. And so I have five of those novels published now, and CBS just bought them to turn into a television series. So that's kind of the big news around here this week. Wow, that's really cool. You never know where your hobby is going to take you, do you? You just never know. That's fantastic. So, Gay, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is... I know for me, it's, it's helpful to have what I call a guiding principle. And, you know, sometimes it shows up as a quote or a mantra, but something that keeps you on track regarding partnership. And I'm wondering what you use for a guiding principle and, and how you might recommend our listeners apply it in the partnerships in their life. Whether you're talking about partnership at home in a love relationship or in a business relationship, what you really need is both people committed to operating in their zone of genius. So, like, for example, when my wife and I first got together 36 years ago, we talked a lot in the early days of our relationship about what it would really take to have a thriving partnership. And one of the things that we came up with was a commitment to being absolutely transparent with each other, emotionally honest, uh, not hiding anything from each other. And then uh, we developed other commitments 
that were things like uh, being both committed to taking full responsibility for things when they came up rather than resorting to blame or criticism. Eventually, we came up with the idea that partnerships really only work if both people are living in their zone of genius, if they're doing what they most love to do and doing what they most feel called to do. And so we believe that it's incumbent upon anyone in a partnership to make a commitment to expressing their full zone of genius, to being fully committed to doing what they're most here to do. And that, of course, requires that you figure out what exactly your zone of genius is. But that's one of the most important things you can do in any relationship, in any partnership, is invite both people to express themselves through their full zone of genius. Yeah, I, I love that, Gay. I, I know that comes from your book, The Big Leap. And, and it's, it's really interesting because I don't know how many times we think of that in regards to partnership, especially in you know personal partnerships, that we're, if we're in our zone of genius, we have the best likelihood of that being successful. Exactly, because human beings only really thrive when they're doing what they most love to do and what they're most uniquely suited to do. And most of us haven't ever asked ourselves that question about what is it that I really above all love to do and what is it that I most above all want to contribute to the world. Once you begin to ask questions like that of yourself, it begins to draw forth your zone of genius. Excellent. One of the things that, that our listeners love about this show, Gay, is that it, it's the stories that our guests share. And I'd love to dive into one right now. And if you wouldn't mind, would you take us to a time in your life when, well, you, you kind of tripped up in a partnership and just tell us that story about what were you doing? What did you trip on? And, and then, you know, what did you learn from that experience that helped you move forward? Well, I had a moment, you're, you're, you're using a verb there that uh, immediately triggered a memory. You, you mentioned the word tripped up. And early on in my life, when I was a kid growing up, I had a lot of problems with thyroid and pituitary gland. I was very obese. And so I was taken around to different specialists to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And they gave me lots of injections and things. But I was, remained obese and struggled through my weight up until I was 24 years old. And then I had an enlightenment experience that showed me exactly what the problem was and that it wasn't anything like I thought it was. And after I understood that and began practicing what I learned in this moment of enlightenment, I lost more than 100 pounds in the course of a year and got down to my basic good weight, which is I'm a six-foot-tall person, so I, I weigh around 180 um, so I'm um, now in my you know, comfort zone about how much I like to weigh in my ideal body weight. But if you roll back the clock to 1969, when I was 24 years old, I was 320 pounds. And I actually had an experience of slipping and falling, speaking of tripping over. I went out for a walk. I was, I was unhappy in every partnership I think I had. The person I was living with at the time, um, her name was Linda, I, we had a very toxic relationship and the only reason we were still together is we didn't have enough money to split up and live in two separate places. And so that partnership was going excruciatingly badly and I didn't like my job, I was really tired of my job. 
I was beginning to study counseling, the field of counseling, and I was beginning to fall in love with helping people as a counselor rather than what I'd been doing all my life, which was I was an English major and I was, you know, wrote for newspapers and things like that and uh, was an English teacher. But I, I hadn't really discovered what I loved to do. And of course, then I had the 140 pounds of extra weight hanging on me. I also was heavily addicted to cigarettes at the time um, and uh, smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day. So I was kind of a, a, a mess in every partnership, including my partnership with myself. And I went out for a walk one afternoon to try to clear my head. It was the wintertime in, in uh, New Hampshire. And I slipped on a patch of ice and I kind of went down on a big whoomp on my back. And I didn't knock myself out, but I landed about six inches away from this really jagged piece of rock. And as I lay there, I looked to my right and I saw this jagged piece of rock and I realized I could have killed myself right now if I'd landed six inches to the right. And I lay there for a couple of minutes and I had this amazing enlightenment experience. Can I, I opened up in such a way that I could kind of like see down through all the different levels of myself, which I'd never seen before. Like I could see my feelings very clearly. I could see that I was angry about certain things and sad about certain things and scared about certain things. And I'd been completely cut off from my feelings until that moment. But it was like I was given a magnifying glass for about, or a microscope for about two minutes where I could just see myself in a whole new way. And I saw that all of my weight problems and my health problems came from things I'd either inherited or had adapted to in my life. Like my father was very obese when he died at age 32 and was a heavy smoker. And I realized that I was on my way to, I think, killing myself at a very early age. And so in that moment, I also saw down to the very center of myself where I could see and feel this space of pure consciousness where there was no programming on it. It was it was our original self that was there before all of the programming got laid upon us. And so I realized that I had that pure state of consciousness still within me. And I had this really exalted moment as I was beginning to kind of pick myself up and dust myself off. I had the thought, I'm going to make a commitment to living my life so that I can feel that pure state of consciousness all the time. And I made a commitment to that, and then I got back up and I walked back home, and, but I didn't know how to do that. And so the most amazing thing then proceeded to happen. I got a call from a friend of mine who had been one of the teachers at this little boarding school that I worked at, and he had gone on to another job, but he called me one afternoon and he said, hey, I'm going over to see one of my old Harvard professors who's just come back from India and has had this kind of enlightenment experience, and I want to go find out what it's all about. And uh, he's going to be down the road from where you live, so do you want to come with me? And so I said, sure. And so he went down, and it turned out to be Ram Das, who had just gotten back from India for the first time, and was, you know, he was wearing his white silk robes, and he had a whole bunch of devotees around him, and we went to hear him talk, and I think we were the only people there that weren't, 
you know, like devotees of his, and it was probably about 20 or 30 people sitting around in a circle. And I saw Ramdas talk for three hours without any kind of notes or anything, just talking about life and enlightenment and those kinds of things. And afterwards, I went over and talked to him, and I said, you know, here I am, I'm very overweight and everything like that. Do you have any suggestions for what I could do to really change my life? And he said this amazing thing, which I'd never heard anybody talk about before. He said, what you might look into is some breathing exercises and yoga exercises and meditation to help you uncover your state of pure consciousness inside. And I said, oh, you mean everybody else knows about this too? And he said, well, it's part of the Hindu system of consciousness that we all have this pure state inside us. Well, I'd never heard anything like that. In fact, I, I don't even know that I'd heard anything about yoga in my life. I was in a completely different interest area. So the next day, I go to the supermarket, and I was standing in line waiting to get out, and I looked to my left, and there was a kiosk of paperback books, and one of the paperback books said, Yoga, Youth, and Reincarnation. And I don't believe in reincarnation, but the yoga and youth part really <laughs> lit me up. And so I picked up this little book. And basically, all it was was a whole book of yoga and meditation and breathing exercises. And I just started doing those that day without any training or anything, just working through them as they appeared in the book. And by about midnight, I had gone through the yoga and the breathing and exercises, and I came to the meditation and I started doing it just right out of the instructions in the book. And I had an enlightenment experience just like the one I'd had before, but I had to slip and fall the day before. But there was that pure state of consciousness right there in my body, in my mind, just as a result of doing a little meditation for 10 or 15 minutes. And so I was just totally amazed by how quickly I went from almost having to kill myself to get enlightened, to having it come you know, out of a book just by something I sat down on the floor and did for 15 or 20 minutes. And so that got me interested in the whole field of transformation and meditation. And I later went and took some different meditation trainings and you know, studied breathing and things like that and got my PhD in counseling psychology. But it, come, it came from that failure of that original partnership, I think, with myself and with the person I lived with at the time, because I was trying to relate to my partner from a different persona. I was trying to be somebody I really wasn't. And so as I began to live my life out of a commitment to finding out who I really was, it led me deeper and deeper and deeper into discovering what I most love to do and what I most wanted to do with my life. And so over the course of a year, I lost more than 100 pounds and got out of the toxic relationship and went to Stanford to get my PhD in counseling psychology and just a whole bunch of kind of magical events unfolded once I made that basic commitment to finding out who I was and what I really wanted to contribute to the world. That is an incredible story of transformation. Wow. And you know... I think you made such a great point there at the end. I, I love what you were saying about this all happened basically because you were trying to be someone you weren't. You were operating from a false persona. And 
I think it's more common than we realize how much we're not truly being who we are and what you talked about earlier, being in our zone of genius in our partnerships because there's this anxiety that what if they don't like it? The same thing, Ken, blocks people from going for what they really want in their lives because I think there's a fear down in people that I talk about in The Big Leap that's that fear of what if I uncovered my zone of genius and I did what I most love to do and I failed at it. And I think that fear of failing and, and that keeps us from finding out who we are and what we really want to do. But I can tell you from experience now with working with more than 20,000 people over the years that it doesn't really matter because anytime you start asking yourself those big questions like what is my genius and what do I most love to do, there is no way you can fail because the asking of those questions is success in life. It will eventually take you to where you need to get to if you will still keep persisting. You know, it took me many years after that first experience in 1969 to really find out what I most love to do. Like, I'll tell you exactly how long it was because it was 1977. Another experience, I keep journals, by the way, so I know a lot about when things happen because I can just look it up back in my notebooks. But in 1977, I was driving home from Denver back to Colorado Springs where I live, and I heard on the radio somebody talking about goals, and it was important to figure out what your goals were. And at the time, I uh, hadn't really thought much about uh, what my real life goal was, and I realized in that moment that I needed to sit down and really figure out what is my central goal in life? And so um, when I got home, I just sat down on a cushion in the corner, which is kind of my preference about when I want to really think about something, and uh, meditated for a little while. And I kept asking myself, what is it that I most love to do? What is it that I most want to contribute? And after an hour or so of deliberation, I came up with this idea that the thing that sustains me on a daily basis is that every day I want to expand in love and creativity and abundance. And I want to inspire other people to expand in those areas also. So I'm only at my, I only feel best when I'm expanding every day in my ability to love and in my ability to be creative and in my ability to create abundance in my life for myself and other people around me. I'm not one of these people that says that artists and geniuses need to be poor and starving. I say, why not be a successful, inspirational uh, artist of your life? You know, that there's no sense in hiding in your uh, parents' basement and expressing your genius. Why not come out into the world and express it in a way that it inspires other people? So it's important for me to be making a contribution to other people's lives. That's what makes me feel best. And so I, I came up with this central guiding intention, the idea that I expand every day in love, creativity, and abundance, and I inspire other people to do the same. And once I homed in on that, I haven't really changed that in the past years. Um, now it's, what is it, 40 years later than um, the 19... 
77, 40 years or so later, and yet that intention still sustains me because it feels alive in me every day, and I can see results of that every day that I open up to more of my creativity and more of my abundance and more of my ability to love and my relationship life. And also, you know, I just this week, for example, we have um, 30 of our advanced students who have come here to work with us for four days. My wife is over teaching them right now. And so, you know, we have this incredible community of a thousand people or so every year who come here to study with us and work with us at different levels. Um, sometimes it's just in the form of a three-day seminar or a five-day seminar, but sometimes it's like um, we have a two-year program that people come. Uh, it's called the Leadership and Transformation Program, and people come and study with us on a two-year basis for a deep immersion. So whatever it is, though, whatever format, what's important to me is on a daily basis, I have the experience where I can see and feel myself inspiring and contributing to other people. That's so fantastic. And I, I love how you explain that, you know, this isn't something you just sat down one day and boom, okay, that's it. And I'm set. It took years of refinement. And I think we have such an immediate gratification culture that we're like, well, if I can't figure this out tomorrow, then I, I probably won't at all. And we bail on these these processes that, that we really need to, you know, spend time on. I mean, we spend our whole life not being who we are. It's probably going to take more than an hour to figure out who we really are. So thank you for sharing that because I, I think it really helps us to be reminded that it's not an immediate, oh, just sit down, think about this for a couple minutes and you'll be good to go. I don't know about you, but this seems like a treasure chest of partnership information from Mr. Gay Hendricks. And instead of overwhelming you, because we're only halfway through this interview, I'm going to actually stop it here today, and we'll have part two tomorrow from Gay Hendricks about partnership, where it shows up in his life, how to make the most of the partnerships in your life. Make sure to get back and listen to the second half of the interview tomorrow. And until then, be well. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day, and remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.